We have a lot for you in this episode of the RV Podcast. We're going to talk about the coming invasion of the cicadas, the Canadian border closing, and rootless living. Welcome, fellow travelers. It's time for another episode of the RV Podcast. Answering your questions, sharing tips, suggesting great trips and off-the-beaten-path adventures, and always staying on top of the RV lifestyle news you need to know about with great interviews and inside industry information. Here's your hosts, award-winning journalists Mike and Jennifer Wendland. Welcome to another episode of the RV Podcast. And you know, after being closed for more than a year, a disturbing new report now surfacing that has many wondering when the U.S.-Canadian border will reopen for RVers. Could be as long as this fall. That's one of many topics we're going to explore in episode 336 of the RV Podcast. We have a, a fascinating report coming about a, the coming invasion of billions of Yes, you heard me right. Billions of bugs that will soon be evident to RVers. We're going to talk uh, with uh, Demian Ross. Demian is Rootless Living podcast and his magazine chronicles life on the road for RV nomads who take on the RV lifestyle. We've got an interesting discussion with him. Plus your RV questions. We've got a great off the beaten path report from our friends uh, Patty and Tom Burkett. Uh, the RV calendar of coming events. And, of course, uh, much, much more. But first, my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer. Hi, dear. Hello, Michael. Well, it is a wonderful time to be in Florida. I'll say that. We've had a spectacular week down here, haven't we? We have. It's, it's been a joy to be here. It has. So we uh, are pretty excited to announce that our new spring-summer RV lifestyle clothing designs are in. And they are available for order. Our design team knocked it out of the park this year with four new designs, perfect for your adventures. Our hoodies and t-shirts are comfortable and quality. Yeah, we've done a couple of live unboxing as we've ourselves ordered our clothing. Yes, we have to pay for them too. And we've got some new designs. They uh, One of them celebrates uh, outdoors, really cool look. Another one... Uh, proudly proclaims you to be a uh, wilderness boondocker. Uh, we have uh, one that's on the theme of um, Jennifer's favorite Happy Trails uh, Adventures saying. And then, um, of course, our favorite uh, Small House Big Yard, new design as well for that. So we're really excited about these uh, new uh, Summer 21 t-shirt and sweatshirt designs and mugs too. We have mugs. You uh, have to see these shirts and hoodies. They are so sharp. And we have a bunch of associated merch available with them. Coffee cups, hats, and other RV lifestyle-themed apparel. Perfect for your RV. All are available for immediate shipping. All you got to do is go to rvlifestyle.com slash go shipping. I'm sorry, go shopping. <laughs> you can go shipping, you too. go shipping. Yeah, yeah. rvlifestyle.com slash go shopping and you can see these new designs and uh, uh, we'll be wearing them in our youtube videos and having having a great time with those uh my favorite are the hoodies it's become my new my new uniform of the day as i wear a different hoodie every day it seems like but they're well, they're handy well, it keeps your ears warm yeah if i get cold and it's not been cold it's temperatures down here where we are on the emerald coast in florida are in the um 
the mid seventies now, pretty much. Uh, we've just been a spectacular, spectacular week. A lot of you down here, I've had email from a number of different RVers who have heard our different uh, uh, praise reports about the Emerald Coast of Florida and have decided to visit it themselves. All the campgrounds that I know in the area, the the state parks and the big RV parks, they're all filled. It's spring break down here. It started really this past weekend, but um, we love it. The Emerald Coast, if you're not sure where that is, that's in Florida's Panhandle. It's roughly between Destin I say it's Panama Beach if you want to go to the far east uh, all the way to Pensacola. And then some say even further into, uh, if you want to get into Alabama as well. But uh, beautiful area. So that's where we are. And boy, do we have a lot of news. News. Mike's got news. RV news. Travel news. Inside information and trends that shape the RV lifestyle. Here's the RV news of the week. When will the U.S.-Canada border reopen? That is the question, as Canada's Prime Minister said late last week that he could see the border with the U.S. remaining closed until September or later if necessary. His comments were in response to some U.S. politicians in states that border Canada pushing the Biden administration to open the border as soon as Memorial Day. Justin Trudeau said he would not open the border until the number of new daily COVID cases in the U.S. drops even more. The current number of new COVID cases in the U.S. is about 50,000, while in Canada, it's about 3,000. The U.S. population is about 328.2 million. Canada's is about 37.6 million. The border with Canada has been closed to non-essential travel like RVing and camping for over a year. The current closure is set to expire on March 21st, but everyone expects it to be extended longer. I know that uh, U.S. officials and some of the states bordering were hoping that uh, they could work something out with Canada and get it open by Memorial Day, and then they pushed it by the 4th of July. But Trudeau is being pretty adamant, saying uh, not until fall is uh, what he's kind of guessing right now. So who knows? These are politicians. They could change their mind as the wind blows. But uh, I feel terrible for all of the the U.S. uh, folks who want to go vacation, take advantage of the beauty of all those provincial parks and national parks in Canada. And conversely, all the Canadians who weren't able to be snowbirds this year nor are they able to come down and enjoy our national parks as they usually do every summer. So looks like that's going to happen. We can't do much about it. That's sad. Can't do a thing. Nope. Hey, the other big story we want to talk about this week, uh, I think it's a fascinating story. It's the invasion of the cicadas. Now, for 17 years, these cicadas have been underground They've not been hibernating. They're alive. They're in the nymph stage. And what they've been doing, I guess, is munching unseen on little tree root fibers underground. But sometime soon, when the soil warms to 64 degrees, billions will emerge at the exact same time across about 15 U.S. states. And they will cover trees and shrubs and utility poles, flowers, any structure that they can find. Uh, they'll uh, hatch from nymph into, first they'll be all white, and then they'll become uh, adult, ugly, red-eyed bugs 
uh, many mistake for grasshoppers or locusts. But these cicadas, you say cicadas, I say cicadas, these cicadas are really not grasshoppers at all. They're mostly harmless, except uh, for tender shoots on shrubs and flowers that they might munch or trample on. Uh, they don't bite. Um, they are extremely noisy. They make a really loud, amazingly loud buzzing sound. It's a mating call. And they do it for a few weeks at most, and then they start to die off. They are one of the most fascinating mysteries of nature. In the show notes for this episode of our podcast, I found uh, a YouTube video that the BBC did on them that I want to link to. And you can find it at rvlifestyle.com slash 336. Scroll down to the news of the week. rvlifestyle.com slash 336. And look at that video. They really kind of explain how amazing this is. These uh, cicadas emerge from mid-May through June. Uh, they're about two and a half inches long. They have a three-inch wingspan, so they're pretty big. And they emerge in 15 states. Um, Delaware, Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, Michigan, North Carolina, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and they're particularly headquartered around Washington, D.C. Now, unlike the common green cicadas that you see every year, this is uh, known as the 17-year cycle brood X, as it's called. And you can identify them. They have bright red eyes and black bodies. Birds and frogs and snakes, raccoons, opossums, all sorts of other creatures uh, will gorge on them. You can even eat them yourself, Jennifer. Well, no, thank you. No, there's actually there's those chocolate. cicada recipes. Yeah, I'm you can sure cover anything are. in chocolate, but they actually do. They're a good source of protein, so I'll get you some. Um, so anyway, uh, when the eggs hatch after the nymphs all burrow beneath the surface, they'll stay there another 17 years. It's the males who make the noise. They're trying to attract females, and then uh, they mate, and then the female lays eggs. And then they die off, and when the eggs hatch, the nymphs burrow beneath the surface to stay for another 17 years. Now, don't worry about this invasion. They make a lot of noise, but they are not drawn indoors. Uh, they might come in if you open the door and the wind blows them in, but they have no interest in going indoors. Other than the racket they make and the piles of their bodies after they die off and fall out of the trees, they are at most a nuisance only, so marvel at them instead. Uh, the cicadas are one of the great wonders of nature. Go RVing released the most comprehensive RV owner survey ever, finding the age of RV owners split evenly between those over age 55 and those under age 55, with 18 to 34-year-olds now making up 22% of the market. The survey found the median number of days most RVers camp to be about 20 days a year, but that number is going up, and it found about 31% of the 11.2 million RV-owning households analyzed were first-time RV owners. Go RVing is an arm of the RV industry. It's uh, 
interesting. When we first started 10 years ago, the number estimated number of our viewers was 8 million. And now it's, uh, what do they say? 11.2. Uh, wow. So it has, uh, it has grown. That is a lot for, for our viewers. Um, out in Colorado, this is a big story. If you fail to extinguish a campfire, you could go to jail. Calif uh, Colorado has really suffered uh, in the past year from wildfires, many of them started by careless campers. So everybody should know that leaving your campsite without extinguishing your fire is a major no-no. Uh, too frequently, of course, it does happen. And out west, it has been known to cause a lot of forest fires. Last week, Colorado Parks and Wildlife took pictures of a fire caused near 11 Mile State Park, and they announced that the campers who stayed there were charged with failing to extinguish a fire, and that carries fines of up to $750 and or six months in jail. Oregon is charging more for camping. Camping in certain Oregon state campgrounds will cost a little more this year. The Oregon Parks and Recreation Department recently announced a $3 increase for electric and full hookup campsites at some state parks between May 28th to September 6th. Oregon is a beautiful state, and its state campgrounds are popular. But with campground closures and wildfires, the state's budget ran up an estimated $20 million deficit last year. The fee increase for electric and full hookup site is designed to help make up for that. Hey, our friend Mark Kep has been a guest on uh, the RV podcast a number of times. And one of the things, uh, I think when we last had him on a few months ago, he was talking about some new technology that they had developed that will really help in this time of um, RV uh, campgrounds being filled with so many new people and the demand for campgrounds and the, the desire to try and learn more about a campsite before you book. And anyway, he is really excited to announce that this week they are um, ready to go public with it. They have uh, come up with a solution, a technology solution, and they're going to cry and crowdsource it. And he's going to uh, share it all with you at uh, campgroundviews.com. I'll give you that that uh, address in just a minute. But uh, Mark uh, called in our newsmaker line and left a, a quick number. Uh, we'll try and get him on the program in a couple of weeks to talk more about it. But uh, what he had talked about and envisioned is about ready to uh, to take off. Here's Mark Kep. Hey, Mike, Mark Kep. Wanted to share that we have launched the crowdfunding campaign for the Campground Views Virtual Tours. These are that technology that I've shared with you and your, your viewers that allow people to virtually go down the campground roads, see the sites, and actually click on the sites to book them. So we already went out and captured all of the recreation.gov properties in the Mountain West region, and we are now doing this last stage, which is this crowdfunding campaign to actually bring this thing to market. So I want to invite your, your listeners, if they want to check it out, that we have a campaign up at the website Indiegogo. It's a weird URL, so I won't share that, but if they go to Indiegogo and search for campground virtual tours, we'll be the only ones there. Or they can go to campgroundviews.com, and there's a link directly off the homepage to go uh, support this campaign. So uh, we think it's game-changing. We look forward to making camping easier and allow us to all find some pretty cool places to go camping. So thank you. Thank your listeners, and I will talk to you later. Bye. 
I love it when a plan comes to fruition like that. So campgroundviews.com is the website, and um, there's a little demo that you can actually see. It's pretty cool. You actually can look at a campsite, in, you know, maybe it's number 42 or whatever, and you, you can click on it, and you can turn the, the, with your mouse. You can do a 360-degree view and see exactly what that site looks like. That would be very helpful in trying to select a site. Anyway, go to campgroundviews.com and you can uh, check on that. Mark's uh, hoping to get that crowdfunded and uh, ready to go really soon. This part of the podcast is brought to you by Rad Power Bikes, America's number one e-bike brand offering direct-to-consumer pricing on powerful premium electric bikes. And now with free shipping, Rad Power Bikes, built for everything, priced for everyone. They offer a series of different e-bike models that fit a wide variety of rider wants and needs. They have fat tire versions, beach cruisers, mountain bikes, folding collapsible bikes, step-through models. That's what Jennifer has. She has the step-through model. Uh, I have the city bike. It's kind of like a beach uh, cruiser with a, a center bar that you kind of swing your leg up over. All of them so comfortable. All the different models can reach 20 miles an hour with zero pedaling. You can ride pedal-free or you can use five different levels of pedal assist for an added boost there. Just so much fun to ride. You can go between 20 and 40 miles on a single charge. And Rad Power Bikes are priced at often less than half the cost of comparable bikes on the market because the dealer retail markup chain is cut out. If you mention RV Lifestyle as a promo code at checkout, they will give you an additional $75 off plus free shipping on all their e-bike models. Again, that coupon code is RV Lifestyle. Visit them at radpowerbikes.com. Questions? You've got them. Mike and his network of RV reporters have the answers. Here's one of our questions of the week. And this one came in on our RV podcast uh, voicemail line. And let's listen in. Hi, Mike and Jennifer. This is Sherry, and I am following, my husband and I and our dog will be following your seven-day adventure down to Florida Gulf Coast in May. We've got things pretty worked out, but I have a few questions about Sanibel Island and Naples Big Cypress National Preserve. What you did with your dog, Bo, when you guys went out, um, we have a little kayak, and just, you know, if you know of a good dog place to keep her there during the day or, you know, great beaches where you could actually take the dog. Anyway, thanks a lot and enjoy your podcast. Bye. Well, let's let's first of all tell you that there are no beaches down there that you can take your dog to. Uh, and that's one of the, the things that really bothers us with Bo. Uh, we are up in the Panhandle and we have a dog park that has a beach. There's another one down the way uh, towards Pensacola Way too. But down there, uh, particularly uh, in the Sanibel Island, uh, Naples area, I know of no beaches for dogs. And uh, what we do is we get doggy daycare. We uh, find out where the closest doggy daycare is. Maybe if you call a vet, they might be able to uh, suggest a good place to take them. Or maybe the vet will keep your pup for the day because you have to make arrangements or when you go to the campground. Ask the uh, people who run the campground if there's somebody there that will that pet watches, but uh, you have to check it out. It's hard to find. Uh, usually, just googling doggy daycare will give you lots of different places. Uh, but the other option that we have used a lot is a service called uh, Rover. And if you go to rover.com, R-O-V-E-R, 
and you could search uh, if you're talking about Sanibel, you'd want to search the uh, you could search Sanibel, see if there's a rover there on Sanibel Island, Florida. Uh, you might have to look on Fort Myers and the Fort Myers Beach area, which is the mainland city that Sanibel is connected to by a six mile long causeway. Uh, and you could find a rover sitter that will watch your dog for a day or even overnight. We have had luck with daycare from Rover in, in one sitter. And when we were in New Orleans, she actually came and picked up our dog and a friend's dog, took them to her house and let them play all day and then brought them back to us while we went and toured New Orleans. So when you find a Rover like that, it's just so wonderful to know that your dog is having fun and having a good day while you're having fun. And many of the uh, last time I think we used uh, doggy daycare, we were in Jacksonville and we were staying at Hannah Park and uh, we needed to have him watch for a day. And, and the place that we use, they have a webcam and we've seen this in other parts of the country. They have a webcam and you can actually tune it in on your phone throughout the day and look at your dog playing and enjoying doggy daycare. So that's a, that's a good service, but uh, Rover, or doggy daycare are your best solutions. Now, Sanibel is, um, is about the most unfriendly dog place you can find. Uh, dogs are not allowed anywhere, uh, even uh, even the single uh, RV park there at Sanibel does not allow you to stay there with, with dogs. You can't get in anyway because it's only one place on the whole island and it's filled forever. <laughs> but if you can get in, you're not allowed to have a dog. And no dogs are allowed on the beaches and they charge you, I think they charge you $5 an hour to park at the public parking at the different beach accesses. So while Sanibel is a great place to do a tour, um, you know, it's, it's not very dog friendly. So same thing with the great Cypress Swamp that you talked about over by Naples. Uh, you don't, you know, you can actually, I took the dog out of the car a couple of times when we drove, a, there's a big long, I think it's a 12 mile loop that'll run you all through the swamp. Mm -hmm. And I took him out a couple of times, just walked him on the road on a leash. You don't want to let him go because there's snakes and there's alligators and all that stuff. But, but for that tour, we had Bo in the RV. And of course we had the air conditioner on and, and it kept him comfortable. Um, I always say when we get a question like this, that, you know, you need to realize if you're going to travel with your pet that there are many places that are not dog friendly, uh, many, many places. And so you have to be prepared to not visit those places or to find uh, a place where your dog can stay at doggy daycare. Uh, I think of um, uh, Cape Canaveral when we went there, how great that was. They had kennels there. Mm -hmm. They had kennels, but uh, it was rather stark. <laughs> yeah, we were just locked up in a cage. Air conditioned. Bo looked at us like, "What? I, I, what are you doing?" Um, Mammoth Cave uh, National Park. That was nice because they had kennels outside, so you know they could look around. And that was when we had our last dog, and he kind of barked and looked at us like, "You're leaving me." Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but but it's you know there's not a lot of places to keep a dog when you want to go out and explore, and that is one of the challenges of traveling with the dog. So I, I hope that helps. I mean, uh, we enjoyed the Great Cypress uh, Swamp Tour. We did not get a chance to go do as much bicycling or hiking uh, that we would like to have because we did have the dog with us. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a personal challenge for us. You know, our dog 
is a barker. He is a barker, and he, plus he's big. He's gotten up to 70 pounds now, and he is a ball of energy, and he needs bow time, I call it, someplace where we can let him run. And it, it really stops us. It does. From doing a lot of things we want to do. And, and if, if, if we're really honest with you, we, there are times we very much wish we didn't have him with us because uh, it, and particularly for us, we're doing stories and we have to get out and we don't have time to supervise the dog as we're gathering up the story. And uh, it, it, the stories that we've had to pass by because we've got the dog and uh, uh, we need to have a nanny for the dog, travel with a yes, nanny. Yes, we need a nanny. <laughs> or have a nanny we can drop him off with for a, about six months. Uh, I think we need a vacation from Bo. He probably feels the same from us <laughs> He probably right now. feels the same with Bo does. Well, anyway, great luck. You'll love Sanibel Island. It's got the biggest collection of shells, seashells, because the way the island is situated there. We just posted a story on the RV Lifestyle Travel uh, blog about it. Just look at rvlifestyle.com. Hey, this part of the podcast is brought to you by Battle Born Batteries, makers of quality, safe, and reliable lithium batteries that can be installed in just about every RV. Battle Born has just announced some new batteries. Instead of 100 amps, they now also offer 100 amps and 200 amp monster lithium batteries. Lithium batteries, of course, uh, make sustained adventures off the grid possible because lithium batteries offer better performance they charge faster and fuller. They're longer lasting. They're maintenance free. Jennifer and I have two 100 amp uh, Battleborn batteries, and we also have 400 watts of solar. And that solar during the day, particularly when we're down here in Florida like this, it tops off my batteries every day by four o'clock. They're topped off. No matter what we've used the night before, the day before, they're all topped off uh, in uh, the come the next day because of that solar. So lithium batteries is so efficient. You can run them down to almost nothing. They charge much faster than AGM batteries. And whatever kind of an RV you have, they can be pretty much retrofitted. You can probably drop a Battleborn battery in whatever space your existing batteries are occupying. You, you got to call the battery experts at Battleborn. You can get to their website and all the information you need by just going to uh, rvlifestyle.com slash lithium rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. Hey, fellow travelers. Want to have your voice featured on the RV podcast? Send us your questions or comments. Send an audio file to Mike at rvlifestyle.com. Or better yet, use our RV podcast voicemail number. 586-372-6990. 586-372-6990. We want to hear from you. Call 586-372-6990. Time now for the RV Podcast Interview of the Week. Interesting, entertaining, and helpful information about the RV lifestyle. Here's Mike with this week's interview. Well, seemingly everywhere you go, all you hear about in the RV world is the uh, rootless living and digital nomad craze, as so many people are so interested in full-time RVing and trying to find a way to earn a living as they travel. Uh, our guest in the Interview of the Week segment of the podcast is Damian Ross. Damian's the publisher of Rootless Living Magazine and the podcast of the same name. He is a lifelong traveler and an expert now in the lifestyle that is behind the digital nomad craze. 
Uh, Damien is a former skateboard fanatic and now a full-time RVer uh, and a magazine publisher. And he's interviewed dozens of those living such a lifestyle, even as he recently did a video on his own full-time RV experiences for one thousand days in a row he did a video every day a thousand videos in a thousand days our guest on uh, the uh, rv podcast for this episode damien ross of rootless living well damien joins us right now damien a thousand days on the road uh in a video every day you have yeah, to be was- a little exhausted yeah, that was tough. Um, it was a series I started when I hit the road. I was working for someone else and I was doing sales and there was nothing creative about the job. So I thought, you know what, this will be fun. I'll do a little challenge. The original was called Road to 300 and I was going to try to do 300 videos in a year. And I did 300 and 300 days. And then I decided, you know what, let's go for a thousand. I can do this. And I did a thousand videos in a thousand days. Didn't miss one, whether sick, tired, internet, no matter what. A video got uploaded every day for a thousand days in a row. How much did um, did that scratch your creative uh, need to 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 throw yourself into a project? Which is my contention that almost all of us who do this for a living, we have a need to throw ourselves into it and to share it. And I wonder mm-hmm. how how that played out uh, as you traveled and uh, you did a thousand videos in a thousand days. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was funny. The job I was doing was sales in and around a social media event. And immediately it opened doors for me where people were like, well, this is interesting. You're doing this where I had potential customers calling me. And then because obviously I'm a full-time RVer, it was just networking within kind of that social space anyways, too, with people. So overall, it was really great. And, um, you know, I mean, I lost that job, but then was able to, you know, even before I hit day 300, I lost the job. So, I was able just to kind of keep going and it really worked well for me for networking and things of that nature, but it was never a, I hope to get a million subscribers or I hope to get 10,000 views. It was literally just about doing a thousand videos in a thousand days. Uh, Even if I wanted to do 10 pushups every day for a thousand days, it's just that kind of discipline. Can I be creative? Can I be disciplined every single day for a thousand days? Now, how important is it? When you talk to all you and and I will come back. I want you to tell everybody about Rootless and mm-hmm. about uh, all your other platforms. But how important is it when you talk to all of these other RVers out there who are living full time on the road? Some of them blogging and doing YouTube's and podcasts. Others finding other ways. How important is it for them to have a sort of a challenge? Is there a common theme there that you see many people have? I don't know if it's necessarily a challenge. I think there are times where people will find some sort of niche. You know, we're going to visit every national park. We're going to try to go to all 50 states, whatever that is. But I think what most people don't realize is that most podcasts quit after seven episodes. Most YouTubers quit after about four videos. So if you can set yourself up to say, I'm going to do 30 videos in 90 days or 30 podcasts in 90 days, you're going to get into the habit of it. Like when I stopped, December 15th was my last thousandth video. Um, I took two months off of not creating any videos. It was really nice, but I've also really jones in to get back to it. I think people need to focus on that. Don't focus on the subscribers. Don't focus on the numbers. Don't focus on the views. Just do something on a regular basis. Be consistent and you'll learn your craft. Because my voice a thousand days ago compared to what it is today when I'm doing videos and what I'm talking about is completely different. 
There was no plan. Day one was the day I thought of it. That's literally, then, there was no planning into it. I uh, like what you, what you just said, uh, a kind of a reality check. When we go to a show or we're out and we, and we meet other people who say, hey, we got a video. We're going to start a channel. We're going to, you know, we're going to quit our job and do this. And I always say, you know, get some of them done first to find out how much work they really are. Uh, is that true of all RVers, do you think, that, that there is this time, uh, you know, this rush to get into a, the full-time life, and and pretty soon, uh, some people call it decision fatigue sets in, you know, and, and maybe you may want to talk a little bit about that, too, and uh, when do you see people dropping out of the full-time lifestyle as well? Yeah, I think really it's expectations. I think they set false expectations. You know, my dad used to say, no matter where you go, there you are. And it really kind of reminded me that you can try to take on a unique lifestyle. It's just not going to make you unique. And I think people forget that sometimes and they get kind of burned out or all they're seeing is the positive. And then maybe, you know, on Instagram or in videos. And then when they're out there in real life, there's a lot of negatives that are in every other life. If you're living bricks and sticks, you'll have the same problem. It's this toilet wasn't the first toilet that ever got clogged in my 50 years of life, you know, but for some reason, when an RVer's toilet gets clogged, you would think it's the end of the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I started the lifestyle, so I'll go back to my own story. I wasn't influenced anybody. I didn't know that anybody did this. I thought this is what retired people did. And I wanted to get out of California and I wanted to move to Texas, but I didn't know where in Texas. So the idea hit me, get an RV, travel around Texas, figure out where I wanted to live. I immediately found out that people do live full time, obviously in an RV while still working. It's not just for people that are retired. And so immediately in 2016, I was like, well, if a million people do it, there's probably a magazine about it. And there wasn't. There's lots of YouTube channels and blogs. But that's one person's perspective. You know what I mean? Like, you have to really relate to them. And, you know, if you're watching my videos, maybe at the time you had to be 40-something. Maybe your kids didn't live with you. You weren't married. And you were just, you know, doing something different. And that would drive you in. Where most people are like, ah, you know, he's so much older than me or he's so much younger than me. That doesn't fit my niche. And I think where I got, where I noticed the difference is when I started really working in and around the industry, now my life became my job, my job became my life. It's much different. Where when I hear people saying, I want to get on the road and start a YouTube channel, I'm like, don't. Either start a YouTube channel where you're at or get on the road. But you don't have to do both. It yeah, doesn't mean yeah. I have to buy an RV and buy a camera. You don't. It doesn't mean you shouldn't. But I mean, honestly, the people that have been on my podcast, I would say I'm close to 60% that have never done a podcast. 60% um, don't have 500 followers if they added all of their social channels because that's not, that, I don't believe in social proof. I don't believe that really makes you someone. And they're really great, unique stories that everyone else can relate to because maybe they're not creating content, but they want the lifestyle. And uh, so that's, it's, a, it's a hard kind of pendulum of where you need to be with that. I would say to your advice, I'd be creating content before I hit the road. Because learning how to RV and trying to create content at the same time, probably not very safe and really probably mentally draining. Oh, it's, it's insane. And, you know, I, people always say, well, the market's too saturated. And it seems sometimes that it is. There are so many. But uh, why do people do this? And if they're going into it to make money and it's going to be that's how we're going to live our life on the rv i i my advice is don't don't even try because there's, there's so many other people who are out there doing it or understand that it's going to take you many years before you actually make enough money to 
consider this uh, a job. But uh, the satisfaction part of it, doing it for friends and family and your own creativity, that's what I think. Uh, I, I love to encourage that in people because you, you see all the, the, the different perspectives that they can bring to it without having it to be profit-driven. I want to get back to um, the magazine, Rootless. Yeah. Talk yeah. about that. It, it is a really nice-looking magazine. And you've talked to just it. about everybody. You do a really nice job on that. Is that your background? And, and walk us through that. Yeah. So in the early 90s, I did a skate magazine in and around Southern California. Um, I felt we needed a regional publication. You know, I was kind of a skater surfer, you know, jock. And I was getting into my older kind of years in a sense that I was already at in 93. I was already a dad of two and, um, you know, but still like 20 three years old at max and but so so still very active in kind of skating and surfing um in 2002 i started a publication for the community i lived in um it was probably more newspaper but it came out every other month just because there wasn't social media and that kind of stuff at the time and i did that for about eight years crashed in 2008 everyone pulled their advertising and i've always loved it i mean it's i enjoy being what i consider a content dj where i'm you know bringing in other people's stories and helping get it out there and whether it was for skating or surfing that i was passionate about or the community that i lived in or the lifestyle i'm living um it's just something i was really excited about and so when i lost my job in 2018 with real no notice no nothing just cut off second time in five years um I just said, you know, I just need to take the reins and just do my own thing. I can't be, you know, beginning let go because they make choices and decide to go a different direction. Mm -hmm. wasn't wasn't bad employee. wasn't pulling in good numbers. Just they wanted to go in a different direction. And they also thought my lifestyle. I was on vacation all the time. Which whatever people can think that because I live in an RV. I know my friends that live in Hawaii are not on vacation all the time. Yeah. And so um, originally it was just going to be a digital publication. And I started putting the feelers out in November of 2019 saying, hey, I'm going to start this January 2020. And immediately I was overwhelmed by the people that wanted to see it in print. And, I, you know, as a digital nomad publication, really, you know, it's really geared towards full time RVers. Um, it was really surprising to me. So we did a Kickstarter campaign for the print. Uh, it got fully funded. Uh, we just wrapped up issue number eight, which was our adventure issue. I mean, it's a real magazine. People sometimes are like, it's a real magazine. I'm like, yeah, it's a real magazine. Um, we called it Rootless because, you know, at, at first I was thinking full-time RVer and stuff like that. But there's a couple things here. One is I didn't want to exclude anyone, the Vanners, the schoolies. You know, if you put the term RV in something or even full-time, people check out. And so for me, Rootless, it's a word I've always really liked and no one was using it. And I thought if I ever had to talk to someone, I could say, search the hashtag Rootless Living. Nobody was using that hashtag before 2019, zero. It gets used, you know, 20,000 times a month now with people trying to connect each other. So there was a lot of just behind, you know, it's a terrible name in a way because it doesn't explain what the magazine is, but it's great for marketing and kind of a community. Um, and uh, we've enjoyed it. It's been, I mean, it's blowing up. I can't believe how many people actually pay for the print subscription. I mean, obviously the digital is still free uh, and you can grab it, you know, free six month six times a year publication if you want to plus all the back issues uh and it's been great it's been a ton of fun i've really enjoyed it what are some of the uh common denominators that you have found in your own life and with those people you interview who are out living basically the full-time rv life uh, what makes them successful in the lifestyle not so much maybe the business end but the lifestyle 
Yeah, you know what's funny is the majority of my guests, even on my podcast that I interview, had no RV experience whatsoever. So they had never done it before. Literally, the RV they're in is their first RV. Um, even some had never really done camping. And I mean, you know, camping like tents and, you know, that kind of stuff. You bring it in, you got to pack it out kind of a stuff. And I had never owned an RV before. I'd never been RVing. The only RV I'd ever been in before was a Hollywood trailer type RV. It had nothing to do with camping or living in. So I think there's that. I think, two, it's people are just tired of where they are, but they don't know where to go, I think is what happens for a lot of people. And, you know, this lifestyle does seem really different in that sense. And I'm the same guy. I wanted to do it for one year, figure out Texas, buy 100 acres, build an 8,000 square foot home, probably with a 25,000 square foot barn and be content. Four years later, I still want 100 acres. I'll probably never build anything over a 600 square foot home. I still want the big barn and shop for sure. But I think RV or some sort of wheels up in 30 minutes will always be part of my life as long as I'm physically able to do it. Just because it's so great getting up and going and, and seeing people and meeting people in a way that's just so different than living in a community forever kind of a thing. And I think I'm noticing that when I talk to people. You know, it's so funny how it all comes back to that first cliche that I remember seeing uh, older campers wear on their T-shirt. You know, it said, home is where I park it. But right. that's so true. It is always with you. You always feel home. I never feel, oh, man, this is so weird wherever I am. But I always feel at home. And I, I wonder yeah. if it's the same with you now. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about your platforms. You also have a podcast. You have your yeah. YouTube channel. I'll put links to all of these in, in our show notes for this episode. But uh, I, I wanted our audience to get a chance to meet you a little bit. So tell us how they can find you and follow you. Yeah. So real quick, too. I mean, I was a kid that, you know, I always say I was born in Seattle. I learned to talk in New York. I learned to walk in Boston. I learned to run in Los Angeles. And I lived in Los Angeles for 40 of my 50 years. And I didn't realize that I was stuck when I was living in Los Angeles. I didn't know how just stressed I was about just how crowded the lifestyle was. And it's weird when you get out of here and you didn't even know you were dealing with that. It's literally like having like a, a mental physical problem that you didn't know you have. And then someone comes along and fixes it. And now life is completely different. That was kind of what happened to me. And I also feel like, you know, I've got like a, an idea for a book where it's, you know, the American dream was a scam. I really do feel like we trick people into thinking they need that house. They need these things that Europe is where they need to go for vacation and all this kind of stuff that you have to have one job for 40 years. You got to live in one town for 40 years. You got to be within eight miles of your family, all this kind of stuff that it's just a scam. It's like, I don't know why we buy into it, why we believe it, because I got to say, I'm probably further away from my family than I've ever been, but I'm closer to my family than I've ever been. I mean, outside of what's happened, obviously, with the pandemic. But even before that, we would see each other in ways we never It was real quality time rather than quantity that you just took advantage of. And it wasn't based on holidays. It was based on wanting to see each other. So a little rant there just in kind of the what's happened to me. Um yeah, so uh, I'm at Damien Ross everywhere. I had a uh, hippie Irish parents, so it's spelled D-E-M-I-A-N-R-O-S-S. -S. I mean, Instagram and YouTube is kind of where I hang out the most. Um, and then Rootless Living, rootlessliving.com, or on uh, Instagram, it's Rootless Living Mag. And um, we're there just hanging out, just trying to be that platform so people can find someone they can see and relate. And it really goes back to Mike. I got sober when I was about 25 years old. So I'm coming up on 25 years sobriety. 
Nobody gets sober at 25. When I was walking into AA meetings, I'm not seeing anyone under 50. You know what I mean? Like that's when they finally decide that it's ruined their life and they try to make a change. The same thing with this magazine was I wanted people, no matter anything, religion, sexual orientation, color of their skin, economical backgrounds, anything that they could see themselves in people that are living this lifestyle. Because sometimes that's really important. You have to see yourself in someone else doing it and then you're willing to give it a try. Nobody thought you could break the four minute mile until the guy broke the four minute mile and now it's been broken a million times since then. It's that kind of mentality. That's great. Last question, as you travel about, as you talk to others and you hear, um, you know, this is last year was quite the year with COVID and this big RV boom and so many newcomers uh, coming. Uh, what's it going to be like this year? Now, you're, you're, you're not in California anymore, so you've kind of gotten away from that, that <laughs> state's restrictions. But still, right, right. Um, while well, COVID's getting a lot better, I don't think anybody's disputing that. It's still going to be a strange year. And I wonder what you're seeing in your predictions before we let you go. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, very gently used RVs for sale in about 18 months for sure. Um, look, I talk to RV industry people all the time. And there's times where they'll tell me, well, Damien, you know, full-time RV is not a big enough market for us. So we're not really going to target to go after it, right? It makes me laugh because their biggest target is people that buy an RV and never use an RV. They just put it in storage or they have it on the side of their house. Legitimately, that is probably the biggest user. And it's sad to say that that's just what people do. It's an impulse buy. They think they're going to use it all the time and they don't. So I think we will see that. The other thing is, I know there's a big panic that campgrounds are going to be really, really crowded, you know, because of this big boom. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people buy them and don't use them. Like I said, a lot of people buy them and keep them stationary. A lot of people have downsized. A lot of people purchase them and put them on the side of their house for in-laws. I mean, it's not just all that people are going to get on the road and use them. And what I'm excited about is that more people are going to be doing this lifestyle. I, I've been hit up with, you know, Damien, shh, don't publish a magazine about it. Don't do a podcast. We don't want people to know that this is an option for their lifestyle. And um, I just don't think that's fair or right. And I think people will get out there, enjoy it. And hopefully, you know, it's the weekends or some timers, the part timers, the hybrids. You don't have to do it full time. And I hope people realize that. And I will say this. Probably the biggest aha moment that I had interviewing people was meeting people that live in their motorhome or RV or fifth wheel, whatever, Monday through Friday, because they have a Monday through Friday job. But on Friday at 5 p.m., their wheels up and they're going somewhere for the weekend. If it's a three-day weekend, they get that much out. There isn't that pressure going from your house to your RV, you know, for some sort of weekend. And now you forgot the wine opener or the can of beans or your favorite swimsuit. Mm -hmm. You're just living it and going. And that's a great lifestyle, too. You don't have to wait until you have a remote job or you're retired, you can live this lifestyle and uh, it'll change you. It'll definitely change your your idea of, remember I said I wanted 8,000 square foot home. Now I want 600 and I want 100 of that to be a shower just because I want a big shower and that's it. And <laughs> it, 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 it changes your, your mentality. Yeah. The things I yeah. own, what I, you know what I mean? Like, do I need 15 shirts? Do I need 10? I don't anymore. And it's yeah. the small size and the weight that changed me in that. And I just wish it was something I learned 30 years ago. Not at 50. I wish I yeah. landed at 20. I'd have been much more we successful. Say, we say the same thing. We And this is our, our 10th year. And uh, yeah. man, I wish we had done it long before. Damien Ross has been our guest. And uh, Rootless, uh, Rootless Living is his magazine. We'll put links to everything. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. Thank you, Mike, for uh, having me. It was a blast being able to chat with you, Dan. This part of the podcast is brought to you by... 
brand new sponsor we're recommend we're uh, recommending this uh, week peace of mind for rvs.com you do that all as one word peace of mind for rvs.com it's an emergency transportation coverage solution that pays 100% of all your ambulance charges by ground by air anywhere Jennifer and I, uh, we joined this group right after uh, I interviewed Tim Gustafson from uh, peaceofmindforrvs.com. And uh, that uh, you can hear that podcast interview with Tim a few weeks ago here on uh, rvlifestyle.com. Just look uh, for podcast episodes and you'll find it. But in that episode, Tim described how scary emergencies can be. Emergencies away from home they can leave you in literal financial ruin. When it comes to an ambulance by ground or air, you know, it isn't up to you if your insurance company deems one medically necessary. It isn't even up to the EMT who's live on the scene treating you. It's only up to the insurance company. And one out of seven ground ambulance claims get denied. Air ambulances, if you need to be air evac'd out due to the um, Deregulation Act of 1978, are classified as common carriers and thus not a medical expense, making an air ambulance one of the most denied claims by insurance companies out there. So the good news is, as Tim explained to us when we interviewed him a couple of weeks ago, is that you can go to peaceofmindforrvs.com And you can make sure that if you need an ambulance, you do not get stuck with the average $50,000 plus bill. Peace of mind for RVs.com provides emergency transportation coverage that covers 100% of all ground ambulances, air ambulances, and and a slew of additional benefits like return home services, uh, recuperate close to home, visitor transportation, vehicle return, and more. It is the perfect solution and the perfect precaution for RVs. Uh, RVers, uh, that's why Jennifer and I joined this. This gives us real peace of mind. You'll also have the ultimate peace of mind with this coverage because you're covered everywhere in your permanent home. Uh, if you're on the road with your RV, with or without your RV, if you're in with your if you're tent camp or if you're just uh, on a drive somewhere, in your car. You're covered worldwide as well. Uh, check it out. You just go look at all the details and you'll see what we're talking about. It's peaceofmindforrvs.com. Again, that's peaceofmindforrvs.com. Time now for Off the Beaten Path, a unique RV podcast travel suggestion you probably won't find in a guidebook. Here's Mike. All right, we're going to go to one of the more favorite areas that we have in the country, uh, an area that um, really travels several states uh, from um, really just south of Nashville all the way down to the Gulf Coast. It's called the Natchez Trace. And there on the Natchez Trace, our off-the-beaten-path correspondents, Patty and Tom Burkett, found a historical place called French Camp. Hi, Mike and Jennifer. 
This is a story that starts with Louis Lafleur, who was born in a settlement near Fort Condé in the Gulf of Mexico. As a young man, he operated flatboats on the rivers and bayous stretching from Pensacola, Florida to Natchez, Mississippi. During this period after the Revolutionary War, there was much interaction among the French settlers of the area and the native Choctaw people. The Choctaw chief, Push Mataha had married Rebecca Cravett, a French woman, and in 1790, Lewis married both of their daughters according to the polygamous custom of the tribe. Lafleur, his wives, and their growing family settled on the bluffs overlooking the Pearl River, and when the Natchez Trace opened to general traffic in 1801, he set up a way station that eventually grew into an inn. As a son-in-law of the chief, Lafleur was frequently called on to help with disputes, treaty negotiations, and trade arrangements with the Choctaw. His inn and ranch, perhaps the first to raise cattle in the region, came to be called French Camp. Now the thousand-plus acres of his holding make up the town and academy. European settlers, many of them Scots, filtered into the region and began to set up homesteads. Lafleur helped smooth out disputes with the Choctaw over infringement on their lands. French camp became a settlement, and Lafleur's eldest son, Greenwood, became chief of the Choctaw tribe. Eventually, he negotiated the treaty by which the Choctaw were removed west of the Mississippi. In 1885, the settlers founded an academy for the education of women intended to serve the Choctaw children who remained behind, as well as their own offspring. A boys' school followed shortly thereafter. The town of French Camp grew on Lafleur's holding and now has about 400 residents, many descended from the original inhabitants. The original French Camp Academy has gradually transformed into a residential school that serves a national population of troubled youth. The Academy is well worth a visit. The Council House Cafe serves great locally grown food across from an artist studio featuring a variety of local work, and the Visitor Center provides not only a friendly introduction to the community, but also a bakery shop selling bread, preserves, and large cookies. We recommend the sorghum cookie, moist and chewy. Just down the road is the Academy's Rainwater Observatory and Planetarium, stocked with two dozen telescopes of various sizes and offering regular public programs which you can find on their website. Finally, there's a recreated settlement made up of buildings moved from the surrounding area that gives visitors the feel of what it might have been like in the 1850s, right here, off the beaten trace. And you can follow the Burkitts every Sunday. A print version of their Off the Beaten Path reports uh, is published on our rvlifestyle.com travel blog. And the Off the Beaten Path report brought to you this week by Harvest Hosts, where our viewers can overnight for free at more than 2,000 wineries, farms, microbreweries, golf courses, and various attractions. Here's the thing about Harvest Hosts. You know, it's a membership service. It's for our viewers that provides unique RV overnight camping at more than 2,000 spots across the country. We have been in many of them and we're talking about uh, just really great spots. When there's no campground availability anywhere, it is so nice to know that there's probably a Harvest Host location near you at a winery, a brewery, a distillery, a farm, museums, other unique locations. We spent one night, we stayed at an alpaca farm in New Mexico. We stayed at a gator farm on the Gulf Coast in Mississippi. Um, but he, I have a heads up for you. 
uh, if you've been thinking about Harvest Host, you want to move right now because Harvest Host's new member prices are going up from the current $79 a year to $99 a year starting April, starting in April 2021. The basic plan plus golf will go from $119 to $139 if you want to stay at golf courses as well. Uh, but here is the deal. Current members and anybody who sign up now will be locked into their current price and will not be affected. So if you are a member, renew now before April. And if you are a new member, renew or just take a new membership right now because you'll be able to get it for 79 instead of 99 We can save even more money than that. If you use our special affiliate link at rvlifestyle.com slash hh, rvlifestyle.com slash hh, uh, you will use that link and you'll automatically get 15% off the cost of a membership. 15% off. But again, you have to use that special link. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash hh. What's happening? Time now to check the RV calendar of events and gatherings you need to know about. We have some RV shows and events that we want to tell you about, but the season is slowing down. Uh, it always does about this time. All the in-person shows are about ready to wrap up because, you know, warm weather comes, people are on the move. Uh, we do have a few for you, and uh, then the slowdown will really pick up again in the fall. But the first one I want to tell you about is coming up in April, April 10th through the 11th, April 10th and 11th, and it is a online event only. The uh, Boston RV Show, the New England RV and Camper Show, has um, canceled because of COVID up there in the Northeast, but they're going to hold it online. And uh, it is a virtual show, the New England RV and Camper Expo. And we will put a link to it in the show notes for this episode at rvlifestyle.com slash 336. So you can check that up, those of you in the Northeast. I do have two in-person shows to tell you about. One of them in Belton, Texas. It's the Bell County Expo Center, the Heart of Texas RV Show, April 16th through the 18th. That should be prime blue bonnet time there in Texas. Love those blue bonnets. And then uh, up in Elkhart, Indiana at the RV Motorhome Hall of Fame, it's the Spring Hall of Fame RV Show in person, April 29th through May 2nd. Now, all of those listed with links that you can find at rvlifestyle.com slash 336. And that wraps up another episode of the RV Podcast with Mike and Jennifer Wendland. New episodes are released every Wednesday, and the best way to stay connected is to subscribe to the RV Podcast. We're in all the popular podcast apps, and you can also listen on the rvlifestyle.com travel blog. Till next time, happy trails, fellow travelers. We'll be looking for you down the road. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. That is this edition of the RV Podcast. We want to remind you to uh, make sure you make a regular stop every day at RVLifestyle.com, our online RV Lifestyle travel blog. We have new posts every single day. And, of course, the RV Podcast, available on all your favorite podcast apps every Wednesday and every Saturday, a new video on the RV Lifestyle YouTube channel. Till next week, on behalf of my wife, Jennifer, our dog, Bo, Happy trails, everybody.